So we're in Psalm 139. This is the last of a series that we've had in Manchester on Lord's Day mornings for three months or so. Um, Linguistics say, I think that's the word for people who are good at languages, Um, they say that you really know when, when you've cracked the language when you can think in it, or even better, when you dream in that language. Anyone who knows me knows that I I struggle with English, never mind other languages. But the the title of my talk today is Making God's Thoughts My Thoughts. It's thinking God, thinking in a, a spiritual language that changes our complete orientation. We'll read Psalm 139 together, but on the way, see if you can spot themes from David, it's a Psalm of David, in relation to God's omniscience, his infinite knowledge, God's omnipotence, his being everywhere, sorry, omnipresence, him being everywhere, and God's omnipotence, him being infinite in power. There are many psalms that speak of these different aspects of the character of God. You might go to Psalm um, 8, and it's another psalm of David. And the picture, in my mind, is David as a shepherd in the fields at night. And he says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you put in place, and he goes on to, to worship. And that's um, seeing the wonder of God's power in creation. You might go to Psalm 19. It's the same thing. The heavens declare the glory of God. We're talking about the same author. But I would put it to you. He's not a shepherd in a field looking at the stars. He's um, a man after God's own heart. Um, a mature Disciple of God, if I can say that. And it's very introspective. So these aspects of God's character, his omniscience, his omnipresence, and his omnipotence, are David's appreciation of God about himself, not about the universe around him. Um, Maybe one thing is the macro, (laughs) that seeing the greatness of God in the vastness of the universe, and... Now we're looking through David's experience, spiritual experience, of the micro. Um, I think the opposite to infinite is infinitesimal. So he knows the, the minute detail as well as the, the huge detail of the universe. So I like to think of David on his bed. I don't know whether I can say this from the psalm, but I can just picture him this time on his bed. And he's appreciating God because of what he's learned about God and about himself. So let's read it, Psalm 139, for the director of music. And don't forget to look out for those things, omniscience, omnipresence, and omnipotence. O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. 
You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I, am, when I awake, I am still with you. If only you would slay the wicked, O God. Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them as my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I think um, the theme, and I really do enjoy trying to um, capture the, um, the message of a psalm in a, a kind of one or two word um, statement. And I think the theme for me, and, and it can be different for you too, because Psalms are so versatile, aren't they? They, they are part of God's living and active word that we can apply in our changing circumstances. But for me, as I revisited the Psalm, which is very familiar to us all, it's about meditation. And um, if we can immerse ourselves in considering the greatness of God, which is made accessible through his word, then, and that, that's meditation. And David seems to find himself thinking the thoughts of God. For me, it's an aspiration. It's where I want to go in the time I spend uh, in the presence of God. I also, in considering a psalm, like to try and see if there's a verse that I would pull out and say this is central to the psalm. And again, you might do the same and come up with a different verse. But for me today, it's verse 17. Thinking about meditation. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. How precious to me are your thoughts, 
why didn't David write how precious to me are your words? That's what we kind of default to, isn't it? It's, it's God's word and there's no substitute for God's word. But if you think about it, thoughts precede what's written. If I'm going to write something, then I, I have thoughts in advance of that. And it just strikes me that verse 17, if the psalm is about meditation, amongst other things, then it's about immersing ourselves in God's word to the extent that we're understanding its, its origin. It originated in the thoughts of God. This is, this is a deep aspiration to have that level of a communion with God, of course, based on his word, but it um, goes, it seems to me, to a deeper level. And um, the last expression in verse 17, when I awake, I am still with you. I'd like to consider that that's not waking from sleep. It's, it's about emerging from a time of holy communion personally with God and what does David find well he may have emerged from that process if you like woken from it but it, it kind of pervades his thoughts and his life he says um, when I awake I am still with you so let's go back to the beginning of the psalm if verse 17 just for, for now can be uh, the central point and it's about appreciating the thoughts of God um, then let's see um, how it starts and you can't read verse 1 having read the psalm through you can't read verse 1 without jumping to the end because it's so similar and actually it's a bit strange um, as a statement of fact David says oh Lord you have searched me and you know me so what a brilliant, brilliant place to start you get the omniscience you know me omniscience knowledge and it's like David is kind of putting a stake in the ground and whatever I think, um, God knows me. And that's the starting point. But then you get to verse 23 and the statement of fact becomes an invitation. So David says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Well, you, <laughs> he says, God has searched me um, and he already knows my heart. So why would David conclude by inviting God to do what he's already done? come back to that little conundrum so first of all we're on uh, omniscience oh lord you have searched me and you know me you know look at the expressions here no know, knowledge you know when i sit and when i rise you perceive my thoughts from afar we read uh, how precious to me are god's thoughts in verse 17 David begins by saying, you know my thoughts. That's a, a really interesting word in Hebrew. Um, just remind you of our struggle with English. But it's only uh, referenced in this one psalm. It's a unique word, referenced twice in the one psalm, in Psalm 139. Nowhere else in scripture. And it seems to have something associated with it to do with grazing <laughs> Uh, and that's where meditation comes from. It's kind of chewing things over. And you've got this mutual um, kind of reciprocal interaction going on that God knows David's thoughts. And as David immerses himself in this spiritual experience, he 
um, becomes aware and begins to appreciate God's thoughts. Touch on that a little later as well. You discern, verse 3, my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Verse 2, you know me. Verse 2, you perceive my thoughts. Verse 3, you discern. You are familiar. Um, all these expressions relating to the infinite, or shall I say infinitesimal, knowledge of God in relation to, in this case, David, or in relation to me and you. And it's just a brilliant place to start, acknowledging God's infinite knowledge of us. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Verse 5 appeals to me as a little bit of a parenthesis because verses 1 to 6, with the exception of verse 5, to me seem to be talking about God's um, infinite knowledge of, in this case, David, uh, but us also if we appreciate that. But verse 5 is, is something different. It says, you hem me in behind and before, and you have laid your hand upon me. And I'm thinking of David in his bed. And as he is meditating on the extent to which God knows him, um, it's a really cosy, that's <laughs> uh, the best word I can use, experience. He says, you hem me in behind and before, you have laid your hand upon me. David is celebrating and getting consolation and comfort from his meditation on the wonder of God's uh, infinite knowledge of him as a person. Just brilliant. You know, um, perhaps we might think that God's um, infinite knowledge of us and what we think is a bit scary. <laughs> and it should be. But um, David, in his experience of communion it seems to me he cherishes that it's a it's a real positive thing and again we'll come back to that in a second as well going to verse 7 we're i think moving to omnipresence that is god is everywhere so there's nowhere we can go where he isn't where can i go from your spirit where can i flee from your presence if i go up to the heavens you are there if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. We have... Um, Statements about geography, I think, here. Um, we can't go where, where God isn't, because God is everywhere. We have statements, I think, about spiritual elevation um, into the heavens. Uh, I'm going to choose to think that that applies to the idea of having a spiritual high and um, going below the depths, a spiritual low. All of those are in everyday experience, even for David. Um, and 
it's just uh, a brilliant thought, isn't it? Wherever we might be geographically, God is there. Wherever we might be in spirit, in mood or emotions, then God is there also. Um, we have another parenthesis in verse 10. It's not speaking about God's presence, even though verses 7 to 12, I think, are. Verse 10 says, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. It's the same thought that um, let's not consider the ever presence of God as a threatening or um, scary thing because he is with us and it can be a bit scary because that means you know, he sees all that goes on in our lives. But the parenthesis says, your hands guide me and your right hands hold me fast. It's a, um, David appreciating the positive of the wonder of the omnipresence of God. And then we go to uh, verse 13, omnipotence. And David is appreciating the creatorial power of God in his own experience. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together, created, knit, um, in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And I don't think David's in this context talking about the works of the universe. I think he's talking about the works of his own body, actually, and his own um, experience as an individual. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. Um, we should celebrate despite the struggles that we have in this failing human form that each of us has we should always celebrate uh, the wonder of God's power in, in who we are and what we are we live in a world that would suggest or even insist, certainly teach, that we're just an accident of chemistry. For me, how someone can accept that kind of um, explanation for us being here beggars belief, frankly. Um, and we should celebrate the reality of us being um, a, 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 an individual demonstration of the omnipotence of God. Um, it's a, an amazing thing for us to consider. I wonder whether we have a parenthesis here in the end of verse 16. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I think that's an amazing statement. Does it mean that there's a biography of me already in existence? And God is eternal. He knows the end from the beginning because he's outside of time. Um, and it's in consideration of God's power in relation to me personally that David then reflects, you know, and he knows my life from its beginning to its end. You know, that, that I suppose could lead us to a thought, well, does that you know, t take away any 
personal responsibility we have for our decisions. Of course it doesn't. Um, God is sovereign and nothing will thwart his plans, even for us as individuals. But part of those plans involves me making decisions. He's given me the freedom to do that. Um, I just think it's a staggering thought that there's a, a, a book somewhere that is my life and that is your life. And um, again, you get the sense that David isn't um, concerned about that. He's celebrating the wonder of it. We then get to our key verse 17 about meditation. Um, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. I just wanted to add one point, one more point to what I've already said. And that is we will never exhaust in all of our lives the wonder of um, our appreciation of God. There's, there's, you know, we're paddling in an ocean um, and there is so much more to be experienced. Um, and how vast is the sum of um, his thoughts. As I said earlier, I aspire to have the kind of communion experience, spiritual experience, through God's word, with him, that takes me to where David is. I don't know it, um, but reading it makes me wanna, want to know it, to be able to think God's thoughts. What's the impact of such an experience? And I'm going to suggest in verse 19 to 22 that it's holiness. If I have this level of appreciation of God, his uh, omniscience, his omnipresence, his omnipotence, then it wells up in me a hatred, strong word, a hatred for all things that do not acknowledge God. If only you would slay the wicked, O God, verse 19. Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them as my enemies. How do we square that with the obligation that we have as Christians to love everybody? The emphasis is on the attitudes of men who have women who have no time for God. And the challenge to my heart is how abhorrent is that to me? Um, when I see men that God has put in authority, and um, I see it every week, um, I have the privilege of spending time every week on Zoom with brothers and sisters in Myanmar who, by God's grace, acknowledge the authority of the men who rule our country brutally and they have no regard for, for, for God's things. Um, in our time and circumstances, it's way more subtle than that. Um, but there is a hatred and abhorrence for the things that are sacred. And we could listen, I'm not gonna do that, but there's so much going on around us that are um, really obnoxious, or should be, to us as those who belong to God 
and to some extent are able to experience uh, what David is doing in terms of our appreciation of God. Um, so I would put, put it to us that those verses 19 to 22 are about how we should feel in relation to those who have no reverence or fear or time or even acknowledgement of the great God that we know by his grace and through his spirit is infinite in all of these wonderful things. It's not for us to be judgmental though. I think that's really important. You can, um, we say, love the sinner and hate the sin, don't we? There's a couple of verses I would just point to. One is 1 Corinthians 5 and 12. It's a very, it's a question actually. That Paul is, is um, asking, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? And he touches on the same subject in Romans 12. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, your enemy is hungry. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. What does my hatred in a, an appropriate sense as we've been considering for for example people who take the Lord's name in vain that's a very simple thing that's included in those verses that we've read in Psalm 139 if I'm thinking God's thoughts if I am reacting the way God reacts then I will be offended by those things. And it's a real test of our sensitivity. How offensive to me is the sin in the world around me? How offensive to me is the sin in my own life? And I, I just think that from Psalm 139, this is an inevitable consequence of having that intimate spiritual relationship with God that turns... Um, hatred to him into hatred for me I kind of bear that um, persecution uh, along with the Lord Jesus but Hebrews 13 and 13 let us then go to him outside the camp bearing the disgrace he bore if it's water off a duck's back I suggest we know nothing about what David was talking about we come to um, sorry I've gone over time we come to the last verse uh, 23 we remember the conundrum. It started with a fact. O oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. And it ends up with an invitation. There's a couple of points, I think, um, that maybe will help. One is, as we spend more time with God, openly and honestly, it prompts a spirit of wanting nothing hidden from him, of being completely open and transparent. So... Uh, maybe it's a rhetorical question that David is asking. You know, you've already searched me and you know me, but I'm, I'm staying uncovered and I don't want there to be any secrets. It's a, it's a brilliant attitude to have, an appropriate attitude to have, always never having any secrets from God because 
He's already searched me and he knows me. But there is another, another thought. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. We said that uh, verse 2, that thought, the, the, the reference to thoughts there, and verse 17, the reference to thoughts, um, is a unique word to do with grazing, uh, a meditation, I think. The, the reference to thoughts in verse 23 has, in the NIV, anxious thoughts. And if you trace that back, it means double thoughts. It means we're confused or um, we um, don't have clarity of thought. And maybe there's an element here where David is saying, uh, I'm a, a fallible human being in the presence of an almighty God whose knowledge is infinite. And my thoughts are often confused and I offer them. I offer them to you. Search me and untangle these thoughts because I just want to appreciate the fullness of, um, of the relationship that I can have with you. Um, meditation, making God's thoughts my thoughts, my aspiration to his glory. Shall we pray?